Welcome to the Victory XR Show. I'm Steve Grubbs, your host, and I am extremely excited about our guest today. Uh, there really are, are few education institutions who are doing as much uh, pioneering, innovating in the virtual reality spatial learning uh, area as Optima Ed. And our guest today is their chief innovation officer, Adam Mangana. Adam, thanks for joining us. Steve, thank you so much. I am uh, I'm honored. And I remember maybe back in the day, you coming on a podcast of mine, and I was like, just super humbled that you thought enough of me to have you on yours. Well, what you guys are doing and what, what you're leading is, A, it's the future that most people haven't figured out yet what you are you are the guy you're the revolution that's that's playing out in plain sight and people don't even see it um and the reason i say that is because everybody would agree with the statement that remote online learning is growing and it's growing faster than than residential learning but the problem that you and I both understand is that if we're going to have online learning, there has to be a hands-on component. There has to be a, an, an in-place presence component. And the, there are millions of students in online education, but very few have figured out what you guys have figured out. So, so talk to me a little bit. First of all, describe Optima Ed to our listeners, and then let's talk about how you are using virtual reality uh, to educate students. Love it. Yeah. So very simply, Optima Ed is an, uh, a virtual instruction provider, but our domain expertise, as you so eloquently put, is spatial computing. And so we recognized that the internet was moving into three dimensions. At the same time, interest rates are going out of control. Commercial real estate is has incredible amounts of pressure. We are navigating pandemics and school shootings and all of the things that kind of incentivize people to um, evaluate their current educational model. And so, you know, Augustine says the words printed here are concepts, so we must go through the experiences. What better way to do online school than to have the common courtesy of connection that you can offer in a social VR platform like the ones that Victory XR builds? Awesome. And, and you guys have really, I mean, you started just uh, three years ago in 2020, and you already are at about a thousand students. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive growth. What um, talk a little bit about a what students like about Optima Ed and b some of the drivers of that growth? Yeah, tremendous question. So, you know, I I think you would agree with this um, when we're talking about you know, the, the the status quo in online education, right? You have the checkerboard of faces that the teacher has to manage across 25 different classrooms. And what we knew to be true that other online educational providers, I think, missed is that when you're in a social VR platform together, you're engineering an experience that the teacher's back at the center. And so we have really two tracks that people are attracted to. Um, our full-time school of record, our VR school, the world's first version of that full tuition-free VR school. Um, people like relationships. They like the accountability. They like the ability for their child 
uh, and most of our you know customers are homeschool families. Um, they've reached their the top of their domain expertise, and they want to trust an institution that has a serious academic program. And what they really want is that what I described that common courtesy connection that you can only have when you're present together online. Um, and then our other track is our our kind of asynchronous coursework, and that's where flexibility and concept-based instruction really shine and the ability for somebody to take a really abstract idea like a cell and be able to enter that cell and interact with the parts of that cell and make the learning sticky. So there are really two tracks that two different motivations for wanting, you know, VR as a solution for online school. One would be relationships and the way that we foster relationships and the human experience is at the very center of that delivery mechanism. And then the other one is flexibility. VR hacks time and space like no other tool that we've seen. And so the ability to create that flexibility is very powerful. So let's talk about um, remote versus presence because that's a, that's a big issue. I, I think you might have attended school. I know it was one of the Ivy League schools. Was it Princeton or Brown? Brown, <laughs> yes. So I know you. So so you were a residential student at Brown University, um, and and I'm sure, like me, you found a lot of value in being together. Now I will be the first to admit that I found less value in being in the classroom and more just being on campus and uh, and just being around other students. But but talk to us about, um, and, and first of all, you're K-12 and not higher education, but talk to us about how you, the value that you're able to provide students. And, and if you could describe to our listeners, some who may not be that uh, familiar with group synchronous virtual reality classrooms, talk a little bit about how you utilize that to bring students together, even though they may be a thousand miles apart. Yeah, no, that's an incredibly powerful experience. And, 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 and you mentioned, we, we began to pilot this in 2020. The world kind of pivoted to Zoom and I mailed VR headsets home from the perspective of, of running a school. And um, we were looking to solve the loneliness problem, Steve. And so when you think about, um, when you think about the, what, what, what conducts, what makes a really good uh, academic experience, you have academic press, you know, the ability to to meet a student where their learning needs are. And you have this idea of pastoral care, that somebody is caring for you. And it's very hard to create that care in a flat two-dimensional delivery mechanism. One of the things that I noticed right away um, as we began to deploy is we could now have three teachers, right? We had the, 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 domain, the domain expert at the beginning, kind of front of the classroom. We had the peer, right? That student who was present together with other students, learners, interacting and benefiting from each other's collaboration. And then we had the location as the third teacher. And so that is a really powerful um, idea because now we can really live out the promise of Magic School Bus, right? We can start out in what might look like a traditional classroom, but why in, in the powers of spatial computing would you actually stay in what looks like a box with desks? You'd want to go to the bottom of the ocean or back into you know, ancient Rome or on the moon or in a science lab. Um, these, are, these are incredibly uh, powerful use cases. 
Um, you think about the power of language acquisition, right? And it, language teachers know instinctually the power of context for making learning sticky, right? What better way to learn Latin than to be in the Vatican? You know, these are these are really uh, influential ways. Um, the other thing that I think you know you figured out and, and we figured out is the arbitrage that exists. It's very hard to recruit teachers to teach in Zoom school. We've found it really easy to recruit teachers to teach in the era of spatial computing. And that has been incredibly compelling because we have a very long waiting list for faculty and we've been able to pick the very best faculty. So I think what's promising is in the era of spatial computing, I think the teacher becomes even more important. Now, the teacher also becomes more efficient. And so I think that's those market forces are going to drive more and more schools to create digital twins, something you know very a lot about. Our guest today is Adam Mangana, Chief Innovation Officer of Optima Ed. Um, Adam, I'm gonna push you just a little bit further on this issue of social. So, you know, on Zoom, students can all come together. You could have 30 students, they all have their own little box. They can talk, they can socialize, they can chat, um, and they can, they can, you know, be together. How is what you're providing different than the type of group uh, group interaction that they get on a Zoom call? Yeah, great, great, great question. You know, Zoom is was engineered as a conference call. And so for those of us who have spent time thinking about pedagogy and thinking about education deeply, we wouldn't conduct eight hours of school on a conference call. That, that seems to be an absurd idea, but that's where the technology was. And, and, and I'm reminded, you, you were talking about a revolution not being televised. I'm reminded of that image of 1968, the mother of all demos, where you see kind of a very flat, um, you know, two-dimensional screen. And it's the first version of, of, of what becomes Microsoft that, that we see demoed. And then you see juxtaposed a week later, right, the Sword of Damocles and the VR demo. And we have this pathway in 1968 where we can choose between what is two-dimensional and what is immersive. And of course, what was pragmatic at the time, because we just didn't have the compute power, was to go with the kind of the mother of all demos route, the, the two-dimensional um, delivery mechanism. And we're in the same place in the way we uh, consume online school. The first version of online school was was developed as correspondent courses, and then we had the ability to, to embed video, and so now we have these video chatting, but that's not the native and natural way for us to interact and learn together. We want to be present together. Now, what I think being online provides, we don't want people to live in the digital space for 24 hours a day, but what we want is to make work more efficient so that they can more appreciate the natural world and more appreciate relationships in person. And so I'm raising my two children on a farm in rural Mississippi. They are able to do uh, what has traditionally been an eight hour school day in about three and a half hours. And then they have time to work on the farm. They have time to be engaged with co-curricular activities. They have time to be entrepreneurial. They have time to be present with friends in a way that they weren't able to do when, when we were running around in car lines and trying to navigate the slings and arrows of, you know, just, you know, commuting traffic. 
I think that that it is inevitable that more and more people are going to try to make work and learning more efficient and actually make more time to appreciate these social relationships. So we don't want to recreate, you know, uh, Alabama football necessarily in, in VR, the stadium experience, but we do want to take, you know, things like what you guys have developed with, you know, uh, chemistry labs, and we want to be able to try experiments that would be risky or dangerous in real life. And we want to be able to go to the moon or, you know, in, enter inside of a, uh, you know, an atom. These are things that you just couldn't do otherwise. So the promise of VR learning on the social front is massive, but it doesn't mean that children aren't going to interact in the natural world. All right, Adam. After students finish a course in Optima Ed, are they going to be smarter or dumber than their counterparts in the real classroom? Well, this is a tremendous question. We were very fortunate in year one to, to be able to um, have outcomes that were stronger. Um, and so, you know, the reality is um, virtual reality learning, concept-based instruction has been proven scientifically to be more effective. I still think teachers matter. I, I think that, uh, you know, that part of the secret sauce of what we have put together is not only delivering the platform, but training the teacher. I think, I think, right, Alexander doesn't become great without Aristotle coming to his home. And I think the ability that VR has to attract um, and optimize really good teachers that are committed to the pedagogy. Because as you know, the, the VR teaching and learning is different. It's different in that you have to have more facility with the platform. You have to be able to understand the use cases for what I'm calling concept-based instruction, right? Teaching things in a concrete, taking things that are abstract and making them concrete, right? And so we spend a lot of time training teachers on how to use the tool. And that training has led to better outcomes, just measurably better outcomes. Yeah, we there, there's a lot of different data that we look at, but uh, one piece of data is the um, is the PWC study from 2021 led by uh, the amazing Jeremy Dalton. And, um, you know, that study showed that students learn four times faster than yes. in a traditional classroom. And, and why? Uh, there was a study at uh, a Taiwanese university where they put a, uh, um, a device uh, on the head of students who were learning in a traditional classroom and in virtual reality. And then it would show how much the brain cells light up. And in VR, the brain was extremely active, whereas mostly in the traditional classroom, uh, it was a lot more sedate, fewer brain cells lighting up. Steve, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think you would be proud of this stat. Um, you know, in our very first year of operation, we had the highest civic scores in the state of Florida. And that is maybe a contrarian idea, but the idea that um, in this era that we could scale really high quality civics education feels to me like a national emergency, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so to be able to, to have people learn about the true history of our country and do that at scale, I think is such a gift that, that virtual reality can provide. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Florida because 
you know, of all the states, they may well be, I mean, they're, they're right up there with a few of them, but very close to the most uh, progressive when it comes to school choice laws. Um, how have those school choice laws in Florida played to uh, the benefit of students who want to learn in virtual reality? Yeah. You know, there's a movement afoot in the country. Um, I do think Florida has, has, I'm very proud of the work that Florida has done to to um, empower families and empower learners and give them the opportunity to make choices. Um, one of the artifacts of that success has been the educational savings account uh, laws, universal ESAs that that allow for funding to follow the students so, so parents can make choices and, and purchase the kinds of um, educational options. And what's exciting about that is it democratizes access to great teachers, especially in a, in a virtual instruction provider context. Now, no matter what geography you live in, you can have access to world-class curriculum and world-class teachers. And we would hope that every state would allow the, the opportunity for a student, regardless whether they live on a farm like my two children or whether they're in an inner city, that they can have access. And, and that's something that I think has drawn the two of us together is the commitment to access, um, whether it be through the, the lab work that you all are doing to provide to underprivileged kids or the, the work that we're doing to provide the world's first completely tuition-free school of record and VR coursework. Now you say tuition-free, but obviously you have to have money. So when you say tuition-free, what does that mean for parents who might be interested in this? Yeah, thank you for this opportunity, Steve. So because we are an approved virtual instruction provider, if you are a resident in the state of Florida, you're able to attend our school uh, just like you would a public school, uh, tuition-free. And there are two different ways you can do that. You can enroll in the online charter version of our school, or you can take your ESA dollars that have been awarded to you and you can uh, use those funds to purchase uh, coursework. So there are two different mechanisms. Um, and the, the really exciting part for our team at Optima is that uh, regardless of what your zip code is, regardless of what your income is, if you happen to be a resident of the state of Florida, you can attend our school completely tuition free. Do you have any? And it includes a VR headset. <laughs> oh, perfect. And so I'm going to come to hardware in a minute, but um, if you do you have students that are out, I mean, obviously your children are outside the state of Florida, but do you have other students outside of the state of Florida and how do they pay? Yeah. So what's exciting, Steve, is that there are a number of states that have made uni universal ESAs available. Um, and so we have primarily uh, marketed in states that have allowed for students to use ESA dollars uh, because that virtual instruction provider application is a 900 page application. Some states don't even have a mechanism to become a virtual instruction provider. So, you know, our mission is to make it accessible. We have had one offs, especially in Northern states where people have said, hey, you know, we don't have the political environment for ESAs, but in private school tuition is so expensive. What, what could you do for us? And so um, in those examples, we have allowed folks to um, to attend our school as a tuition payer. And um, and for, you know, for six full time courses, I think our tuition is right around seven thousand uh, dollars, which is pretty accessible for those who are living in uh, in the northern states where private school tuitions are, you know, median twenty five thousand dollars. 
So uh, 7,000 a year, is that correct? Or That's correct. That's correct for six courses. $3,500 a semester. So about, you know, if you figure a semester being roughly five months, then you're roughly $700 a month. That's right. And to be frank with you, you know, the, of the thousand students, we may have two in that category. So we haven't really marketed that, but we don't want any of your listeners who want to attend the school to not have a pathway. In all of the states that are paying tuition, which happen to be Pennsylvania and New Jersey, we are looking for options to try to find a public option so that those two those students won't have to continue to pay. But um, but if you want to attend now and you don't live in the United States or you live in a state that doesn't have ESAs, you can uh, you can attend in a tuition uh, format. Great, great, awesome. And and this is not the end, but I do want our listeners to be able to get more information. What where would they go to get more information about Optima Ed? Love it. We actually would love you to go right to the school's website, www.optimacademy.online, and you can learn everything you want to learn there. You can schedule a demo. You can um, learn about ESA programs. So Optima Ed is, is comprehensive. Uh, Optima Ed, which is the umbrella company, but Optima Academy Online is comprehensive and will be helpful for anybody interested in, in exploring. Great. All right. We've got time for two or three more questions. So one that um, I'd like you to wax on a little bit is you give us um, two good use cases for learning in virtual reality. Yep. 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 There, are, there are so many great use cases, but um, one that is particularly unique to our school because I was a classics major computer science minor I am committed to you know preserving ancient languages and so you know to teach Latin um, which has lost a lot of popularity comes to life in virtual reality to be able to learn in context to be able to translate great works to be able to go back into the um, same locations that Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus wrote in to understand um, the context of their world. Uh, it's the closest thing we can come to, Steve, to a great book. So that's maybe a contrarian answer, not one that many people would think of, but you imagine not only the context, but taking declensions, breaking them up, teaching grammar, a well-ordered language, and teaching it conceptually, where students can actually build on those that language acquisition physically in that digital space. It's a very powerful way to teach ancient languages. So that's a really exciting use case that would be unconventional. One that might be far more conventional, um, but the, your listeners may not know about, is the idea of being able to tie large language models to avatars and really individualize student interventions. So, you know, taking uh, a student who may be struggling with a particular standard, loading those standards into a large language model, and then having that student interact with uh, an avatar. That's where this is going with individualized instruction. And then to be able to record that and have a learning guide or coach that might be human audit that process it's going to create a lot of flexibility. So those are, you know, two use cases that aren't underwater 
uh, you know, welding or going to the moon or something that you may have heard from uh, so many of the other incredible experts that uh, that we have. I tried to go for something that might be more unique. Yeah, I like that. And we uh, we just rolled out um, AI conversational Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. And so students can meet her in the Montgomery County Courthouse. That's so cool. you know, most high school students read To Kill a Mockingbird. And so we really worked to bring it to life so they can sit and have that conversation, ask her about her motivations and and what different parts of the book might mean. And and so, you know, that is that is really just where we're going, um, all of us. It's it's something that's really, really special for for learning. And we think will really give students a love of learning, not just you know, like, uh, I gotta go learn this. So um Talk, let's talk about a little bit about hardware. Uh, do all of your students use the same headset uh, or, or different headsets? What, what are you doing on that front? Yep, yep, yep. As you all know very well at, at Victory Arts, it's wise to be hardware agnostic, but there are just some realities to where the market is. Um, in a place like Florida, because of you know Pico's affiliation with its parent company, it's very difficult to deploy Pico headsets. Not that we have anything against Pico headsets. So we are we are primarily deploying um, Meta headsets, although we have a few folks uh, who are using HTC, but we're almost, a, we're 99% we're um, MetaQuest 2 and 3 uh, in, in Florida and, um, and for the most part in, in other states. Philosophically, we are hardware agnostic. But in practicality, um, you know, especially when you're using, when you're working with public entities, um, we 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 have to make sure that we have all of the security features in place that we need, and we have alignment, you know, philosophically with the with the government that we're serving in this context. So, um, you know, that's why. But there are many great headsets outside of Meta. It just so happens that practically Meta at the that two hundred and ninety nine dollar price point, that really is like the for lack of a better term, the Chromebook of six degrees of freedom VR headsets. And so there are many other great options out there. We, 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 we don't work for Meta, but we, we, uh, we love them. And, uh, and so we would, we would be, uh, we're, like I said, we would be uh, open to anybody who wanted to, who was a tuition payer to use whatever headset they'd like. And do you have any issues with students um, getting dizzy or nauseous in their headsets? You know, my experience, Steve, and we've put probably, you know, you, you guys are probably the only ones who put as many folks in heads as we have. Um, my experience has been that that is completely connected to agency. So just, you know, what VR does really well is it replicates reality. So if you're moving someone around or if you're, you know, if you're if you're on rails in an experience, the chances of you being motion sick are much higher than if you're in a social VR platform, having the agency to move yourself at your own pace, which makes a lot of sense, right? People get motion sickness if they're riding in a car. Um, and the problem has been the use case that most people rolled out when they rolled out virtual reality was what? A roller coaster, which was the very worst thing that we could do to introduce people to this incredible technology. So, I would say to your listeners, if you are able to create an environment where the user has agency and can move themselves, it is much less likely that they would experience motion sickness. 
Yeah, I would agree 100% with your uh, conversation, with your uh, analysis. So um, last question, um, talk to me a little bit about your best hope for the future of where this is going. Oh my goodness, that is an, that is an absolutely incredible question. Um, I think I think you and I are completely aligned about this incredible future where those of us who have spent our life's work really trying to to be evangelists for this technology could give the end user the gift of time. You know, ultimately, I saw you with your beautiful wife in Miami and New York, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, the ability to have more time with her, right, for me to have more time with my kids if we could leverage this incredible tool to make learning more efficient, to make travel more efficient, to make work more efficient, to give people more time to more appreciate what God has put on this incredible earth, that feels a lot better than what we've done. And I think even maybe 20 years from now, we look back on riding in a box and going to walk into a box, a taller box, and spend the vast majority of our life's energy living in boxes and cities, that we will probably look back and think that's absurd. And, and the future I see is that cities are these incredibly dynamic social places that magic can happen because the work that needs to live in that box can be happening from anywhere. Awesome, okay. So I'm gonna summarize that if they want to learn more information, they will go to optimaacademy.online. Optima you have hit it right on the head, www.optimaacademy.online. And we would love for your listeners to try a course out. And, and what if they want to communicate with you? If they have a follow-up question specifically for Adam. Absolutely. I can be found on all of the social handles. I am most active on LinkedIn. Uh, but I will also be honored to give your listeners my email, amangana at optimaed.com. Amangana at optimaed.com. Got it. Well, I'm going to just finish by saying congratulations on uh, your finish being a semifinalist at the YAS Prize. Uh, I know that there were over 2,000 applicants and uh, your organization Optima Ed and my organization, Victory XR, both made it into the top 33. So um, uh, that's, you know, we are thankful for that. And I suspect you are too. Oh my goodness. And and humbled to be in the category with you guys who we admire greatly and, uh, and think the world of. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you're doing amazing things at Optima Ed and to all our listeners. Thanks for listening to the Victory XR show and watch next week because we have an amazing guest coming.